Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Xander's Facts. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander, and I know what you're thinking. Xander, how could you do this to me? I know this is not a new episode of the Xander's Facts podcast. It is a Xander's Facts flashback this week, which I don't know why you complain, because we're still getting facts. And this week, I will say a ton of facts on this week's flashback. It is Wednesday, February 21st, 2024, and we are rolling with the flashback this week. We are going back to episode 121 from October to talk about basketball with the guest we had on last week's podcast. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before we do, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like this flashback, I think you will, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, rate and review the podcast, check us out on all the socials, threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Zaders Facts, that is Zader with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, we like to call it spreading the facts around here, tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Zaders Weekend Facts, it's a recap of the week's top headlines, and it comes out every Sunday morning, it can go to your email inbox for free when it comes out Sunday morning, go check that out. And also check out the Zader's Facts link tree, which is linked in this episode's description because it has all the Zader's Facts links that you need. And remember to listen to any of our past episodes too, any of our past 133 episodes, including last week's podcast where we had our Zader's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, on the podcast to update us on the NBA season, all the whatabouts going on in professional basketball, which is a good time because right now, the NBA is on a week-long break for the All-Star Game that happened on Sunday. And so this week, for our flashback, I wanted to go back to basketball, professional basketball, because now is the time football's over, as I said last week. Everybody's getting into the basketball mood now. And so this week, on our flashback, we are going back to October, episode 121 of this podcast, which had our Xander's Fact Senior NBA Analyst, Hillbilly, on the podcast to preview the NBA season. So you can use this as an opportunity to basically take a look at the things that we predicted that have come true and the things that we predicted that may not have come true so much, even though we have about two months left until the playoffs begin. It's a good time to get yourself caught up on everything basketball-related. So if you didn't listen to our podcast last week, episode 133, you should go listen to that. And then also stick around for this week's Xander's Facts flashback as we go back to October, our preview of the ongoing NBA season. Let's get to that right now as we roll ahead on this week's Xander's Facts flashback. Xander's Facts. Welcome back, everybody, to episode 121 of the Xander's Facts podcast, or as we know it, when this guest comes on on this podcast this time of year, the podcast that explains why the Bucks will win the NBA Finals. Ugh. It is, this week, our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly. He's back on the podcast to preview the NBA season, which, as I just said earlier, starts this Tuesday. So we got to get rolling. Hill Billy, welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. I love this time of year. We are exactly this time next week. We will be watching real NBA basketball. Ugh, not preseason junk. Not preseason oh. or summer league. Actual games that matter. 
and right. we'll get to hear Charles Barkley's voice, which is always just a treat to the ears, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've missed it. Okay. So this is this is our fourth NBA season that we're talking around the podcast, which is like insane. It's our third edition of our season preview podcast. Hillbilly has been on all of those. And last year in the NBA, for the first time in franchise history, the Denver Nuggets won the NBA championship last season. They kind of they ran away from the rest of the pack with Nikola Jokic, who wasn't the league MVP last year, but then you know, after the playoffs happened, maybe he should have been for the third straight time. But they won't get away with that this season, I don't think, because we've got several teams in the East and the West who are reloaded for what should be an exciting title race at the top of the NBA. So, as we said, the NBA season tips off in less than a week. So we've got a ton to talk about. We're going to have a lot of facts, both Hillbilly and I, on... We're going to, I mean, we're basically going to talk all 30 teams. And then, of course, as always, as always you expect from the Xander's Facts podcast, we're going to give you our early preseason predictions, which always turn out to be correct on who is going to win the NBA title and who's going to make the playoffs, too. Let's do it. So, Hillbilly, before we talk about the teams, though, before we break down the 30 teams, we should probably talk about something that's new on the season calendar this year. The NBA in-season tournament, which we've talked about a little bit before on this podcast, I think, but it's actually going to happen this season, and it's kind of going to, you know, shape the calendar in the early part of the season. So, before I get your thoughts on it, for those who don't know, the NBA in-season tournament is basically, I mean, how how is it going to work? Every team in the NBA is going to be in it. Every team has been drawn into six groups of five teams, so there's three groups per conference, based on their records from the previous regular season. There's going to be four designated nights in November where the teams are going to play their group games. It's going to be every Tuesday and Friday between November 3rd and 28th, except for Election Day, because they don't play games on Election Day, the NBA. Very patriotic. America! Each team is going to have two games at home, two on the road, and they're going to face every other team once in their group. And these games... They're not just going to count for the in-season tournament. They're also going to count for the regular season record. So they have a double meaning. And so the six teams that win their group, that at the end of the group stage, have the best record, they advance to the knockout rounds along with two other teams who one team in each conference that finishes second in their group but has the best group play record out of the second place teams. And they've got a bunch of tiebreakers too to sort that out if the records are the same so you've got the quarterfinals and the knockouts which are going to be played in home arenas on december 4th and 5th and then you've got the semifinals and the championship which are going to be played on a neutral site in las vegas december 7th and 9th and the winner of the championship game is going to win the first ever nba cup what a name i mean they really dug deep to figure out that one very creative i know All teams are going to continue to play 82 regular season games. The teams that don't make it to the knockouts are going to have two more games that are scheduled later in the year. And one more game for teams that advance out of the quarterfinals. They only make the semifinals. And then the two teams that make the championship are actually going to play 83 games. So how about that? So basically, it's kind of a new facet to the NBA calendar, Hillbilly. How do you think it's really going to impact 
the early part of the season? Are teams going to care, you think? You know, I, I, it's a good question. I don't know. I feel like, and we talked about this a little bit before uh, we started, it's the kind of thing that is going to mean a lot more in 10 years than it does now. I think if Adam Silver is smart, he's smart enough to realize that like right out of the gate, most people are not going to care a ton about this. It takes a while for things to kind of gain some cachet with the fans, have people kind of buy into it, decide they actually care about it. But, you know, they're incentivizing it with money that should at least get the not super rich NBA players. They, they're probably not going to care about that kind of money, but a lot of the other players will. So hopefully it'll incentivize some better regular season play. And maybe in a few years, it really catches on. I probably won't be paying too much attention to it, though. Oh, you'll watch the championship game, though. Well, I'll watch it. If it's on, I'll watch it. But, you know, I'm not not because it's of the end season tournament. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll love it. Who knows? Maybe. I feel like, because we talked about this earlier, how Adam Silver's a big soccer fan, and they're kind of modeling this after how soccer is, where you have the domestic league, and then you have the Champions League, which is the whole continent. And obviously, we don't have, you know, additional teams playing outside of the US and Canada in this. But kind of, you know, how when you play for the UEFA Champions League in European soccer, you're not really playing for the money. The team obviously gets a whole lot of money, but the fact that it's the Champions League and you know the pride and cachet that it has, I think that's what the NBA is kind of banking on. And obviously, the big difference is, you know, you're only playing the same teams, so already right there, it's kind of you know, negating yeah, it doesn't this. have the novelty of it really. Yeah, but I feel like I mean, we'll figure it out. We haven't even played a game. Well, if the players wind up buying into it, it will make it more interesting. The fans will eventually buy into it too. And, you know, there's no real risk. Like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Nobody cares about it. In a couple of years, they just drop. Yeah. Because, again, you're not adding games. Like, the only games you're adding is one and you're playing for a championship. So, yeah. That's just something new that you're probably going to hear about if you're listening, talking about the NBA this season. Just had to throw it out there. What are you talking about? Let's get to our preseason previews of all 30 teams. We're going to start in the Eastern Conference, and we're going to go by last season's uh, regular season records. So last year in the East, for the second straight season, it was the Celtics and the Heat who met up in the conference finals. But this time, it was not Boston who won Game 7. It was Miami. They made it to the finals, and just like the Celtics, they could not beat the Western Conference champion. But let's break down all 15 teams in the Eastern Conference, going from bottom to top of last year's standings. Let's start out with the teams that didn't make the playoffs, though, Hillbilly. We've got Detroit, Charlotte, Orlando, Washington, and Indiana. Nothing really strikes me as being, oh my gosh, well, let's, you know, something about this team is really exciting but obviously these are the teams that are going to have some of the top overall picks that we saw in the draft yeah i think most of these teams are going to be right back in that spot um i do think that the pacers though they they look pretty exciting they they've got a couple of really good players tyrese halliburton had a monstrous summer playing for the united states he just looked fantastic they i think the pacers are kind of in a different category but the other ones you know, the Magic have a lot to be excited about, but they're still years away. And everyone else in that group's still kind of a mess. We talked last year, I was like, Palo Bancaro, 
watch out because he was really good at Duke, and I think he translates well to the NBA, and he was the rookie of the year. He's Sean, but obviously, you know, you kind of have to build around him. But the Pacers, they added Bruce Brown from the Nuggets and Obi Toppin. The Pacers might, maybe, you know, not contending in the East, but I feel like out of those five teams, they're probably the most likely to make a jump into at least the playoff, the play in, maybe the playoffs. Yeah, I could easily see them taking the place of one of those teams that was in the play in last year. Okay. Well, the play in teams last year, let's move over to them. Toronto, Chicago, Miami, Atlanta. We got some more stuff to talk about these teams. But first off with Toronto, they lost in the play into Miami. They lost Fred Van Vliet. They brought in the best name in the draft, or Grady Dick from Kansas. That's not, I'm not going to blur that out because that's his actual name. Seriously? But I feel like other than that, Hillbilly, what do, and they lost Fred Van Vliet, who was one of their best players. So what do the Raptors have yeah and they lost fred van vliet for nothing same thing with kyle lowry the other year like they just i you know masai ujiri has a lot of uh credit for what happened um when you know they won the championship with Kawhi. but anybody else you would just be scratching your head with what they're doing just bleeding players and not getting anything in return but they still have some really good players on that team it's just weird. What direction are they going to go in? So Siakam's well into his prime. And then their next best player, uh, Scotty Barnes, is years away from it. And yeah. they don't seem to be putting together a cohesive team. The Raptors did lead the league in steals per game last season, though. It's a fact. Just a note. Then you've got the Bulls, who I kind of feel like are in the same position because we don't know. We don't know when Lonzo Ball is going to play again. They've kind of banked. The Bulls have banked their future on Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, who are good players. But again, Lonzo Ball has been injured for two years or more. Are they even, you know, do they have enough to even qualify for the play? And because we kind of, I remember when they uh, built this up, this this group of players, and we talked about it, and we were like, this is kind of interesting. Let's see what happens. And um, it hasn't worked out too well. And I don't, I don't know if it's going to work out this year. Yeah, I would could see the Bulls as being one of the teams that uh, maybe the Pacers take their place in the play-in ranks. You know, it's just it's it's tough with the Bulls with Lonzo Ball. They needed him so much. They looked so good early on when they had him and Caruso giving them perimeter defense. Because you know, when you're playing an offensive center like Vucevic you've got to make up for it on the perimeter defensively because Vucevic does not give you any kind of rim protection. And when they lost ball for, I think it's an open question whether he'll ever play again at this point. It's been so long and there's just never any good news. And, you know, it's so sad. He was interviewed a couple months ago and I guess somebody, or maybe a month ago, and somebody asked him, you know, like, do you think you'll play again? And he just got, he was really upset with the question. He's like, I'm only 25, man. Like, you know, I can make I can make it back. But it didn't sound like he was going to be playing anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And without him, the Bulls just seem like they are stuck in the middle. A team that was in the play-in last year. But as we said, made the finals. Miami. Miami was number seven, actually, in the regular season. But they lost to Atlanta in the play-in. So they dropped to the eighth seed. Like... We had no clue this was coming, and maybe we should have because the Heat always surprise us. But uh, we didn't think they'd make the conference finals two years ago. 
we didn't think they and one shot away from the NBA finals two years ago. Remember that Jimmy Butler shot in game seven? Right. And we didn't think they'd advance in this exact same position last year. But Hillbilly, is this finally the year Miami's postseason streak regresses? Because Jimmy Butler is emo now. If you didn't see from Media Day, yeah. he's 34 years old. You we talked about them losing a couple of depth guys last year and it didn't affect them but you lose more max Struess, gabe right. vincent you know at some point that has to add up even with the talent they have and the coaching and the atmosphere in that organization well yeah and also remember they as as great as it was that they got to play in the nba finals last year they were still playing in the nba finals i mean they were playing later than any other team and harder than any other team you know, other than the Nuggets. Um, and that's just a lot of mileage, and it makes it a really quick turnaround of an offseason. And for a guy like Jimmy Butler, it's just so much to ask of him, given how much, you know, how much he contributes to that team, both offensively and defensively, how much they're going to need him even more this year. It's tough. But, you know, I mean, I don't know how you could have watched the Heat last year in the playoffs and bet against them. I mean, how dumb can you be just over and over again? Like Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, at least, is among the very best players in the league. Like, I just don't see how you can't see it when he does it over and over again the way that he does. So I wouldn't bet against them, but I do think the regular season is going to be a real slog and it's going to be really hard for them with their to keep that up day in and day out. Yeah. And that's what it was last year. They had a bunch of injuries and they, they, we're in the play-in last year, and it didn't hurt them ultimately. But you know, it—you'd have to think it will at some point. Yeah, it's. I mean, the Heat last year. You think about it, they almost missed the playoffs. I mean, about as close as you can come to missing the playoffs. They—they yeah. they were right there, and they almost won the NBA Finals in the same year. <laughs> That's just the kind of team the Heat is. Yeah, and up. Up 3-0 in the Eastern Conference Finals, too, to the Celtics. And you remember, they almost blew that, too. But, but they, didn't. they didn't. <laughs> no. Ugh. All right. Atlanta was number seven because they beat Miami in the play-in. Really, I think you're one of the DeJounte murray Trey Young pairing. I don't think you were as high on that last year, though, when that trade happened. Wasn't as successful as some hoped. But if Atlanta gets it together, you would think... Their players have to improve. John Collins is yep. gone, and so you'd have to think it's DeAndre Hunter's time to shine in the front court. Yeah, and they've got they've got a lot of really good tall wings. Um, AJ Griffin had a really good rookie year last year. Um, coming into a second season, he's probably going to be really good. Jalen Johnson, the other Duke player, the Dukies. Yeah, the Dukies, well represented with the Hawks there. Um, well, it's Quinn Snyder, but yeah. anyways. Uh, Although I guess he didn't pick those players, but regardless, um, they've got a lot of really good up and coming talent there with Trey Jones and um, another year of Quinn Snyder. And actually, last year, if you remember, he was brought in late, mm -hmm. so he it really was, didn't. Yeah, it was one of those things like we never see in basketball where they fire a coach and they immediately hire a new one. Like the only sport we really see that yeah. is soccer. Like usually, well, we just see an interim coach for the rest and of the you season. Do, I think occasionally. You'd not as much anymore, I guess that does seem to be true, but you did used to see it 
somewhat often, but you would just get that interim coach and it would just be one of the assistant coaches yeah. to do that, where then you bring in one of the best names in coaching right now, because Quinn Snyder is very well respected. I mean, he was obviously, you know, doing very well in Utah before. So now, you know, he's going to get that full season to kind of, you know, install, try to figure out just how to use Trey Young because he's so problematic, as good as he is. I, I think that the Hawks are ready to make a jump. Wow. Um, I mean, I don't see them as like, I wouldn't categorize them as contenders, but I do think that they're going to be strongly in the playoffs. All right. Teams that made the playoffs last year automatically didn't have to play in the play in. Number six is the Nets, but I feel like that's probably not going to be the case next year, Hillbilly. They went uh, 45 and 37 last year, but after they traded Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they went 13 and 15 to close out the year and they lost. Yeah. They got swept by the 76ers. Uh, yeah. And I guess, I mean, every, everyone thought coming. I mean, when you lose Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the middle of the season, oops, you're yeah. not going to be as good. You know, that's uh, fine. Um, you know, I think they really liked what they saw out of Malik Bridges um, or Mikhail Bridges. And Ben Simmons has actually looked really good in the preseason. Whoa. He is. Whoa. He, you, do yourself a favor and just watch preseason highlights of Ben Simmons. I don't think so. <laughs> he looks pretty good. I mean, we'll see. I, I certainly wouldn't bet on it. The preseason's the preseason. But, um, you know, he, he looks good. But, yeah, I mean, they're still lacking a, a just, you know, really alpha offensive players. They just don't have. Number five is the team across the river. The Knicks, who... Two years ago, regressed. They had a playoff appearance, and they won a game, I think, against the Hawks. And the city of New York went crazy. They didn't win the series. They just won a game, I think. It was three years ago. Two years ago, they kind of regressed. And then last year, they're back in the hunt of the playoffs, mm -hmm. and they won a playoff series for the first time since 2013. I think I picked the Cavs to beat them, and they... I the Knicks kind too. of handled them 4-1. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you've got the most important pieces back. And they also signed Dante DiVincenzo. But they also had, I found this according to ESPN, the second most injury luck last year. But... Yeah. I think the Kings were probably first. Yes, they were. These are facts. But, you know, if you get another year of guys like Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, RJ Barrett, and you add somebody like Dante DiVincenzo to that... I still th think the Knicks are a playoff team. Yeah, I do too. And I think they're going to be a hard-nosed, good playoff team. And as players like R.J. Barrett, you know, if he could just develop like a consistent offensive game um, to kind of help with uh, Jalen Brunson, who, you know, looked like a uh, revelation for the Knicks last year. But I, I think he's probably about as good as he's going to get. I think the Knicks are waiting for that big thing to happen. They are really hoping that they are demonstrating to the league that they are now a legitimate, responsible team. And if you want to come play in New York for the Knicks, it's not a bad time to do it. And I think they're obviously eyeing Joel Embiid as that player now. And I would say there's a greater than zero chance that could happen this year, depending on what happens with Harden. Well, that's who we're talking about in a minute. Because first, we have to get to... Cleveland, the Cavs, who it was kind of disappointing to lose to the Knicks in the first round because I think I picked them to win. But Cleveland is young and exciting. You've got probably their four best players, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. 
who are all 27 years old or younger, Hillbilly. Cleveland is young and they are fun to watch. Yeah, they are. And they've got a lot of talent. And it was kind of surprising what happened with New York last year. But, you know, you look at Cleveland and what happened in that series, and you can kind of see it coming a little bit. I didn't, but I mean, a smarter person would have. Duh. Their roster construction has some issues. I mean, you've got two guards. When, when your talent, your real prime talent is just, there's so much overlap in their skill sets. That's a problem. Their two guards just really remind me of each other. So do their two centers, basically. You know, uh, both Jarrett, or neither Jarrett Allen or um, Evan Mobley can shoot. They're both thin, but they're great help defenders. You know, they can do a lot of other stuff, but they have the same deficits. And then it's the same thing with the guards, you know, with Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell. They just, they're too similar. They need to somehow diversify their talent. I, I think we're probably going to see a lot of the same from Cleveland, although they did have a good offseason bringing in some good players, but I think we're probably going to see more of the same. Okay, so now we can get to the Philadelphia 76ers, who their season is kind of dependent on, I mean, they have Joel Embiid, who's the league MVP, but they also have James Harden, who says his relationship with general manager Daryl Morey is irreparable, and he is demanding to be traded. So I feel like the season and how far Philadelphia goes is probably going to be dependent on if they trade James Harden and what they get in return for him, really, to pair with Embiid. Yeah, well, I think they have to trade James Harden. I, I cannot imagine that James Harden is going to go out there and give it his all for the 76ers. Is he even going to play? If he, I think he is going to play because if he doesn't play, then he doesn't get his year towards free agency the sixers would own him again next year if he doesn't play so he has to play but we've seen what that looked like in houston when he wanted to leave it was like the most embarrassing thing i think i've seen on an mda court pot belly i mean he was in well i think he might have actually been wearing a fat suit (laughs) (laughs) yum and he would just like throw the ball into the stands he just did not care at all you know if they get that, the Sixers, as good as Embiid is and as good as Maxi is, because I think Maxi's ready to just kill it this year, that's going to bring them right down. They have to get him off of the team. I think Maury's being stubborn. Whatever you can get to just, it's over. Get him off the team. He's out. Yeah. I think I, I picked him to win the East last year, too, because I thought that pairing was going to work. And they took the Celtics to seven games. Remember that last year? It did work. That pick and roll combo between Harden and Embiid was the best thing in the regular season last year. Like that was the most effective play in the NBA during the regular season. It totally worked. Harden is just a very strange person. (laughs) Yeah. This isn't the first time that's happened. Right. Number two was. The Boston Celtics, who have been to the conference finals the last two years, they won one of those. And then the other one, they were down 3-0, but they came back to force a Game 7. So Marcus Smart, Malcolm Brogdon, and Grant Williams depart. It's kind of a new look, Boston Celtics, besides obviously you know Jalen Brown and um, Jason Tatum. Drew Holiday is a massive addition. Kristaps Porzingis is another impactful addition. Cleveland was actually number two in point differential last year, but Boston was number one. 
This is true. It's, I guess it's kind of for Boston, it's going to be you lose three guys who have been on your team for a couple years. Can you get Drew Holiday and Porzingis and other guys to gel with your team? And I think if they do, Boston's going to be dangerous again. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Boston and Milwaukee are the two teams that everybody was really focused on in the last couple of months because they made the big, really splashy moves, you know, kind of consolidating their talent. And it, they really kind of mirror images of each other in some ways, too, because they're also both frighteningly shallow. Like, neither one of these teams has any kind of a real bench to speak of. I mean, the Celtics have six players, and they, they probably have the best players one through six in the league. But after that, it's Peyton Pritchard, it's Sam Hauser, it's O'Shea Brissett. And of those six players that they are going to have to rely on so much, one of them is Chris Steps Porzingis, who obviously has massive injury history. He just had a foot problem, which is the last thing you want to hear. He had that over the summer. And then Al Horford, who I think is turning 67 this year. <laughs> so they, you know, they're relying on them. And Horford does keep chugging along, but he is getting, I think he's as old as LeBron or close to it. So I don't know. It's, I think it's tough to count on them when your backup is Luke Cornett. It's just they have some major death problems. I also think they got rid of a lot of the attitude on their team. Like a lot of the kind of locker room players that were just not going to go down without fighting, like the Grant Williams, the Marcus Smart, they just shipped them out for, you know, I don't think Kristaps Porzingis is really going to be a big locker room presence. I think that for the Celtics. Well, physically he will be. No, uh, yeah, physically (laughs) he will be. I mean, he is a very big guy. But, you know, I don't know that he's really going to be the vocal presence that they need. And I don't know if Tatum's ready to do it or not. And I think that's how far the Celtics go. If Tatum is ready to take that extra leap to being the guy that you can count on, like to get into like Butler's territory, you know, where like you can be that kind of transcendent playoff talent where you can just really strike that kind of fear in the other team. I mean, teams were terrified of jimmy butler last year like he was just making he made drew holiday who is supposedly the great defender look horrible last year he could not defend him so you know it's just gonna however far tatum kind of progresses down that line because they don't really have anybody else on that team that can take over i mean you know a lot of people are applauding the acquisition of drew holiday for marcus smart that's not exactly how it worked out but you know and i kind of got to question it when you you know, having watched the Bucks very closely last year, Drew Holiday was just bad in the playoffs. At least offensively, he was he was not good. And so the idea, like that, that maybe they're better with him than Smart, who was not didn't have the best offensive reputation. I think it's a little questionable. I mean, three years in the playoffs for Drew, the last three years with the Bucks, his field goal percentage was forty percent. and then 40%. That's off. Like, and and he is a volume shooter too. It doesn't stop him from shooting a bunch. And then his three point percentage at the point guard position is, was 30%, 31% and 28%. Those are horrible numbers. Um, And it really got the bucks in trouble a lot. Whereas smart was shooting better than that. I mean, he was shooting like 36, 37% from three during the, during that time period. That's a lot of numbers. So I don't know that they actually got as much better as, you know, a lot of the pundits think. 
Um, but I think they are still just by default almost number two in the league or in the conference. Well, you had a small sample size last playoffs for Drew Holiday, so you know only five games. Well, sure, sure. Thanks to Jimmy Butler who humiliated him. <laughs> That's right. Okay, all right, Hillbilly, I'll let you take it. I'll let you take this one, Milwaukee Bucks. Right, and I think the <laughs> Bucks are in an even worse position than the Celtics when it comes to their depth. Oh my god, it is terrifying what they're going to have to rely on next year. And they're just, they're going to have to figure it out. And they've had that problem for a little while. I mean, you know, uh, Grayson Allen was a starter in the playoffs for them. And unfortunately for Grayson Allen, the thing that he is the best at is illegal in the NBA. That's right. I think it's actually assault. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and that sucks for him, you know, but he really probably shouldn't be a playoff rotation player. He's a total defensive liability. It's, I mean, he's pretty good shooting, but. Um, well, it's a good thing he's not there anymore. Yeah, so they got rid of him, but you know he was sharing time with Pat Connaughton, who's now also like Pat Connaughton couldn't start over Grayson Allen last year, and now Pat Connaughton is sliding into that role. And then, other than Bobby Portis, they just have nobody on their bench. Um, so they are really going to have to hope that Brooke Lopez, Damian Lillard, all of them stay healthy. Otherwise, they're going to have a really hard time, and it's going to be a long regular season of them trying to stay up towards the upper ranks of contention with a team that shallow. That means they are going to have to play those stars a lot, which is going to matter come playoff time. But the Dame and Giannis pick and roll is going to be the best thing in the NBA this year. Like, There's just, at the end of the day, and that's why I would pick the Bucks over the Celtics, because you've got Uh, to have... Well, no, as far as surprise, uh, you've got to have that thing that you can go to when everything else is breaking down, when it's just a total rock fight, you've got to have that thing that you can still score off of. And the Bucks are going to have that with Lillard. I found from an an ESPN article that was published when the trade happened. If y'all didn't know, Damian Lillard was traded to the Bucks. Hillbilly glossed over the big part of the offseason. But Last year, Damian Lillard pick and rolls created 1.16 points per play when he or the player he passed to shot, was fouled, or turned the ball over, which is second in the league to Doncic for players who ran at least 500 pick and rolls. And Lillard, we're talking about a player who hasn't played with a current all-star since LaMarcus Aldridge, and he left for San Antonio in 2015. Yeah. So, like, it's been a long time. He's played with really good players, and now he's going to play with one of the best. Yeah. And, you know, the person who used to be the second best player on that team is still on that team in Chris Middleton. And, you know, Middleton, you know, was recovering from injuries last year. It slowed him down a lot. He had a bad regular season. But then in the playoffs, it wasn't really Middleton is not what went wrong against the Heat. He actually put up some pretty good numbers in the playoffs last year offensively. Defensively, he still looked like he was still getting his legs under him. Um, but I think there's every reason to think that one year further removed from those injuries, he could be closer to what we're used to. And if they've got that and a healthy Brooke Lopez, that's pretty scary. All right, so that's the East. So before we go to our 15 teams in the West, Hillbilly, we got to predict one through eight in the Eastern Conference. So I'll 
since it's my podcast, I will give you the honor <laughs> of going first. For the, your eight teams, who you think the seeding is going to be at the end of the season for the Eastern Conference? So my number eight team in the East would be the Pacers. I think that they are going to they're going to have to win a play-in game, obviously, or two to make it in, but I think they'll be the eighth seed. At seven, I think it's going to be the Heat. And I'm going to say oh. the same thing. I'm going to say the same thing that I went back and listened to from last year and say that regardless, I still wouldn't be surprised if the Heat were in the NBA Finals. Because <laughs> you just never know with that team. Well, last uh, year, sorry, but last year they beat the one seed, the four seed, and the two seed. You know? It's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen is what the Heat did in the playoffs last year. And then at the uh, sixth spot, I've got Hawks, and then five Cavaliers, four Sixers, three Knicks. Uh, at second, I've got the Celtics, and then number one, um, you know. Yeah. Ah, what a surprise. Number one, Milwaukee. It may prove trouble in the regular season, but I'll put him number one. Right. Well, I just don't know. I think everybody else is going to have trouble as well. So, no. Well, yeah, probably in the East. All right. So, number eight, I also have Indiana jumping up. Number seven, I have New York. Number six, I have Atlanta. Five, I have the Sixers because I don't know where to put them. Like, I, yeah. it, we don't know what that team's going to look like in a couple months. Um, number four, I had Miami. But again, the regular season could be tough again for Miami. Three, Cleveland. Two, Milwaukee, and one, Boston. But the Bucks were number one last year, Hillbilly, and it didn't matter. So It did not. <laughs> All right, but later on in the podcast, y'all going to stick around because we are going to predict who's going to make the finals out of these and our NBA champion. Tell me, tell me. But we've still got 15 teams left to go, so I don't know why you all would go away. It's halfway through. Let's go to the Western Conference and break down the top 15 teams start going from bottom to top of last year's standings. We'll start with the teams that didn't make the playoffs. And I feel like just the teams that are in this conversation show that the West is deeper than the East by a lot. I think number 15, San Antonio who has Wemby. Listen, we talked about last year, last year, Chet Holmgren was the big, you know, lengthy, guy coming into the league number two overall to the thunder and he didn't even play because he got injured because lebron touched tapped him he didn't tap him but you know what i'm saying but we watched victor Wembanyama in the preseason hillbilly and he's the real deal he's the real deal yeah he's he is really i mean it's astonishing watching him play i mean it's you know we we say word like incredible and just forget what it means, that it means like it's something that you can't believe. Like it's just not credible. Like you watch him on television and what your what your eyes are sending your brain is just not credible. Like it's crazy to watch him. You know, I was watching one where he had a uh, an alley up going and the guy threw the ball just where you would normally throw it. But for Victor, he almost had to duck. Like he had to like crouch down a little bit so they could get it. <laughs> You know, I mean, he's got an eight foot wingspan and he's about seven foot five in shoes. And then you couple that with he looks comfortable taking pull up three pointers. You just don't find people his size. They're all spot up shooters. No one's going to block them. 
And it's absolutely impossible to block his shot. And then you watch him play defense. And with that kind of a wingspan, he can is probably going to be able to cover perimeter players very easily. Well, I mean, he is joining the 15th team, but also teams that didn't make the playoffs. The Rockets, who I think are an excited, they've got some exciting young pieces, but Dylan Brooks is there and he's already getting ejected. The Trailblazers, 13. They just traded away their best player. The Jazz. The Jazz <laughs> the Jazz were doing too well last year that they had to rebuild their roster again at the trade deadline. And then the Mavericks. And I just feel the Mavericks, who didn't make the playoffs, massive disappointment because you have Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, and you didn't make the playoffs. Like, that cannot happen. But it did. Just a mess. So just out of those teams, Hillbilly, I think it's pretty easy to tell the one that would make the jump up into at least the play-in, or probably the playoffs, but your overall sense. Like, looking at these five teams, I think they're a lot better than the five teams that we talked about at the bottom of the East. Oh, yeah, I think they definitely are. And more than that, they're also, like, I would love to see any of those teams play. Like, they're all fun. They've got, like, the teams that are bad, they might be bad, but they have crazy good young talent, like the Spurs. You know, it still would be so much fun to watch on the Trailblazers. Just got Scoot Henderson to add to Shaden Sharp. You know, that would be a blast to watch that team play. The Rockets have a ton of, you know, exciting, you know, young players to watch, watching them either come together or not. But, you know, at least they'd be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the East, you just don't have that in the lower ranks. But I don't, I actually don't think that any of those teams are going to make a jump up. Not the Mavericks. I, I, I don't know who they're going to bump. Like, I think in the East, they would definitely be a playoff team. Yeah. But in the West, I don't know which team I would pick them to bump. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that because we'll make our predictions for the West too. But in the play-in, we had some teams that also characterized just like we did the last teams. Exciting, young talent. The Pelicans? Well, maybe. If Zion, you know, is healthy, he'll, he's going to start the year on the court, which is a good sign. Yep. Number nine, Oklahoma City. I know, well, you're going to talk about this in a second. You're really high on Oklahoma City. Number eight, the Timberwolves. They've got that Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert experiment still going on. But Anthony Edwards is the real deal. Yep. And then the Lakers, who have LeBron and AD. And Austin Reeves is a guy we have to talk about because he didn't just play well for the Lakers last year. He played amazing for Team USA in the summer, and they made the conference finals. So four teams in the play-in that, you know, are really exciting. Yeah, I mean, those are all, I think, really good teams. Um, You know, with the Pelicans and Zion, it's sad that Zion can't stay on the court. I don't think the Pelicans have any choice. They have to just keep hoping because... When Zion's out there, he is there, one of the very best teams in the league. They were number one in the West. Yeah. When he went out, and then they just fell right down, you know, because you couple him with Brandon Ingram and McCollum. And then you've got uh, the kid out of Virginia, Trey Murphy. Unfortunately, he's hurt now and he's going to miss the first part of the season. But last year, he, I mean, he's just the prototype for what every team wants. You know, a long, rangy, six foot eight, six foot nine guy that plays great defense and has a beautiful three point shot. So, but it's all dependent on Zion. And, 
I just I hope he's healthy because they could have a really good team. Yeah. But the Thunder also could have a really good team. Shy Gilgis Alexander was all NBA first team last year. Chet Holmgren is going to make his NBA debut if he doesn't get injured in the next week. Yeah. And Hillbilly, you told me this earlier. They have a ton of draft picks. Yeah, first that's round a, draft picks. I mean, Sam Presti's just doing it again. I mean, two of the best GMs over the last couple decades, Sam Presti in Oklahoma City, and then RC Buford uh, down in San Antonio. It's like they're just doing it again. Like what Oklahoma City is putting together is really scary. Like it looks like they probably they may already have all the players that they need to be a championship contender. They just need for the players to mature a little bit. Shea Gilgis Alexander was fifth in MVP voting last year. And that was correct. He deserved, he was the fifth best player in the league last year. You know, high volume, super high efficiency shooting. He's like six, 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 seven at the point guard. So, you know, even though he's not always putting the most effort into his defense, just his size at that position gives him an advantage. And then you look at the rest of the players on that team and you look at the season that Jalen Williams had. Which one? The Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. (laughs) Um, There's two of them on that team. Right. Then they were both drafted the same year. So that's always Mm -hmm. helpful. I mean, Jalen Williams just had one of the better rookie seasons you'll ever see. I mean, he was second in. Uh, rookie of the year voting to Bancaro, but towards the end of the year, it really looked like it was close. I mean, as a rookie, he shot 52% from the field for 14 points a game. That's insane. He was shooting almost 36% from three point, which you just don't really see rookies do that. I mean, Kevin Durant shot below 30% his rookie year. Like it's from three points. It's really rare to see somebody that good, that good defensively. I think he led the league in steals from the trade deadline on. How about that? Just a phenomenal player. You're putting him with Josh Giddy, who is, you know, a point guard uh, type player at six foot eight, six foot nine, excellent rebounder, just a great, great player there. Adding Chet Holmgren, who, you know, he's a, he almost looks like a Halloween decoration, <laughs> but he is, he looked really, really good in the preseason. Like you're seeing and in the summer league, um, that game between him and Wembenyama in the preseason was just so much fun to watch. They both looked so good. I mean, you've got home grid at seven, one, seven, two, that it looks like he's got a good stroke from three point. He's really good on the closeout If people attack it, um, I just I do kind of question whether or not the Thunder can really play him at the center because just about anybody can push him out of the way. Mm-hmm. I think he's got to have he's got to be playing the four like Zach Collins in that the game with the Spurs, who's not a big guy. I mean, he's a pretty slender dude himself, but he was just putting him wherever he wanted. So I think he's going to need some help down there. But, you know, you've got all these pieces in place already. You've already got your alpha player in Shea Gilchus. Like he's already. He is already good enough to be the best player on a championship winning team. Right now, he is. With all that, you know, I was just describing all the players they have. Um, and then you look at what they're bringing in over the next couple of years and the fact that Sam Presti is going to be the one picking them. You know, next year, they've got four future or they've got four first round picks. The year after that, 
they've got four. They have the Rockets pick next year, mm-hmm. which is just crazy. And the I'm sorry, the year after that in 2026. So it's four in 2024, four in 2025. They've got six first round picks in 2026. Whoa. Where are they going to put all these players? <laughs> well, and that's the thing that's, that's, that's happening that's interesting. Um, like when they had to cut down from 18 players and they dropped two players that were first round picks last year, Ty Ty Washington and David Garuba, they got snatched up immediately. They've just got an excess of players and picks. They've got to consolidate that down. Yeah. But, but you know, you can, you can do something with those picks, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, Presti is the guy to make a really smart decision there. I mean, if he feels like, I've already got the pieces that I need to be a championship contender. He could start trading those picks for picks down the road. Mm-hmm. And then when he has to pay these players and pay them big salaries, he can keep feeding the machine from the new, all the first round picks that they have in the future, bringing in cheaper, cheaper players. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really exciting what they're doing. I, I can't wait to watch the Thunder this year. Such a shame. It's Oklahoma City, though. Yeah. Nobody who would want to live there. Okay. Number eight, though, is Minnesota. Minnesota's another exciting team because of Anthony Edwards, and they get really excited when they win play in games in Minnesota. But are they going to make a jump into the top tier in the West, Hillbilly? They've got really talented players, just, you know. They do. You know, they've got a, a lot of really good players on that team, but they do have a massive roster construction problem. I mean, they've got two. Seven foot, seven foot two players there in uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Gobert, and they do not play well together. They did not look good with those two out there. Anthony Edwards was complaining about, you know, just how he didn't have any space to operate in because you've just got those two guys down there clogging, uh, clogging the middle. So they've got to fix that. And I think they have to move Carl Anthony Towns. And they just have to realize that like Anthony Edwards is a future superstar. They need to start building everything around him, making sure that everything fits. They could probably still get something good for Carl Anthony Towns. And I think they should get off of him. Hopefully they'll do that because they do have a bunch of other really good players on that. Like Jaden McDaniels, when he's not punching a wall on his way to the locker room and breaking his hand in playoff games. Oh, you know, he's a great long defensive wing with a three point shot. They've, they've really got a lot of good players there, but they do need to just kind of fix what they're doing. Ugh. and that wasn't by accident either. Like they traded nope. for Rudy Gobert. They knew what they were doing and they, yeah. And they gave up so much for him. Yeah. And you know, the interesting thing is, is that the guy who did that was a brand new general manager. It was his first year. When he made that trade, mm-hmm. he came over from Denver where he was the general manager. So he's the general manager that put together that Denver team, or at mm-hmm. least the biggest parts of it. Huh. And then to see him do that in Minnesota, I, I just don't understand it. But I do think that they have enough talent that they can fix it. I don't know if they're going to be contenders, but you know, they're, they're a fun team to watch. All right. And then the Lakers. Spoiler alert, I'm high on the Lakers because... I don't know how you can't be high on a LeBron James team. I don't care. He's 38 years old. He, he still wants to play in the Olympics next summer. Like, he's still going at it full throttle with Anthony Davis. And as I mentioned earlier, Austin Reeves, AR-15 is his name. That's, yeah. um, I don't know. Okay. Terrible. But he got a nice contract extension, and he justified it immediately by starring for Team USA in the summer. And they added a bunch of 
nice pieces too, Hillbilly, I think. Gabe Vincent from Miami, Christian Wood, Jackson Hayes. Adding a bunch of that depth, I think, can really help a team with players who, like Anthony Davis, who can get injured, and LeBron James, who's old, can help a team make a playoff run like the Lakers, like they did last year. Remember, they were in the conference finals, too. They were, where they got swept by the Nuggets. Yes. Um, I think it's going to help them in the regular season. I don't know how many real playoff players they've picked up. I mean, Jackson Hayes couldn't get on the court for New Orleans. You know, he just can't. He can't put his game together. You know, it's it. I think it's the same thing with a lot of their players. Like Rui Hachimura, let's see if he actually shoots. Well, what did he shoot last year in the playoffs from three point, like forty eight percent or something? That's just good. preposterous like that. Yeah, he shot forty nine percent in the playoffs last year from three point. He's a career thirty four percent shooter. You know, during the regular season, he only shot thirty one percent. Like that's not going to happen again. I think they've still got some problems relying on Anthony Davis to be healthy along with LeBron James in the playoffs after the regular season where they just, you know, I know we talked about this with the heat too, but I think you can see a trend. It's hard to repeat as champion because you have to go so far to do it. And you're so tired after doing it. Your off season turnaround is so quick. It's also really hard on those other teams that make it close to champion. And the Lakers went all the way to the conference finals. I don't know if a 38-year-old LeBron James is going to be able to turn around after that and have as good of a year. We'll see. I just don't think that I would bet on that. The Golden State Warriors also have some aging superstars, I would say. But they're, you know, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green are all back. Klay Thompson still had the most three-pointers in the regular season last year. He had 301. But his... Jordan Poole is gone, and they add Chris Paul. This feels like it could be, and Chris Paul's 39, 40 years old, I think. This feels like it might be the last year that this group contends, Billy. I mean, just with the ages and, you know, grabbing a guy like Chris Paul, you don't grab him for a couple years. He's, he might just be one and done. Yeah, well, he might be, and that's fine. I mean, they didn't, they were trying to get off of Jordan Bull. You know, that, that was the trade that was made there. I mean, <laughs> I think Draymond Green was very clear about his feelings towards Jordan Poole. Um, yes, I, I don't yes. know that he was subtle at all. Spitting the truth. So they had, to, they had to get rid of him. Bringing in Chris Paul, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that the Warriors have suffered from over the recent years is what happens to their offense when Curry's out. It just, it goes from the best offense in the league to the worst, you know? And if you can have Chris Paul take over that second unit, which hopefully he will consider doing, that that could be pretty interesting. Um, you know, you do worry about their ages, but Steph Curry looked pretty phenomenal last year. He looked like himself all year long. Clay Thompson, as you said, I, I heard that stat about the three-pointers uh, that really surprised me. I just I didn't realize that he was still shooting and making that many. He's still going. Um, and you know, Wiggins last year had whatever that personal problem that he had um, that kept him out for a long time last year. Um, hopefully, he'll be back and ready to play because he didn't look like himself in the playoffs. I, I think the Warriors are going to be a contender. Here. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's just the future where it's you know questions, obviously. But this year, I definitely think so. Number five, like the Sixers in the East, I think the Clippers are the biggest question mark in the West. 
because how can they not be when Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are your two star players and you never know when they're going to play, you know, no, no, (laughs) you don't. I mean, it's, it's tough. Um, I would feel bad for Stephen Ballmer, the owner who's paid all this money for them. If he wasn't Stephen Ballmer, (laughs) I mean, and worth, you know, what, a hundred billion dollars. He's got the money. Yeah, he's just fine. Get that dough. But, you know, they really have underperformed because of injury. But if it just so happened that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were both healthy through the playoffs, I think they're almost as good as anybody. I mean, <laughs> we can say that, and yet we just don't know, you know? I mean, I guess we'll see. Number four was Phoenix, who was number one by far two years ago. And then they, uh, that happened against the Mavericks in the playoffs, that horrific Game 7 loss. And last year they lost to the Nuggets 4-2 in the conference semifinals. Chris Paul is gone, though. And Kevin Durant, who came in midway through last season, didn't only played a couple of games. He should be healthy to start the year along with Devin Booker and Bradley Beal from Washington is in there too. And so you've got an owner in there now, Hillbilly, who just came in a couple months ago during the season last year. His first, we talked about this last year, his first big thing was like, I want to get Kevin Durant and they got him. This is a guy who was willing to spend. He, they just got Frank Vogel, a new coach, championship winning coach, Hillbilly. Yeah. The Suns are exciting. Yeah, they are. They just, um, you know, we talked about depth with some of the other contenders. and Grayson Allen. The Suns have it, have it worse than anybody. I mean, they are as good as Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal and um, Devin Booker are. The rest of their team, they're going to be playing two players in the playoffs that probably shouldn't be in playoff rotation. You know, they trade away DeAndre Ayton as part of the whole mechanism of trades with Drew Holiday and Damian Lillard. They trade away the number one overall pick from just a couple years ago that also a couple years ago helped them get all the way to the NBA finals and looked pretty good that whole year. They traded him away for Yusuf Nurkic, who is completely broken. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, he broke the every bone in the lower part of his leg, basically. I mean, he was a, they, they talk, they called it a multiple compound fracture, which if that's correct, I think they, they can't be right because a multiple compound fracture would mean that you had two bones come out of the skin, Ew. which is just, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'm wrong Whoa. about that, but I'm pretty sure that's what that <laughs> means. But regardless, you know, he has not been the same player since he broke both his tibia and his fibula on his leg. Um, it's really hard for him to move now. So they're going to be having to start him. They're also probably going to be having to start like Josh Akogi or somebody else who does not have any kind of offensive game. I think it's going to be tough for them on nights where they're not really hot. But Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley Beal, like, you know, by themselves, that's 100 points a night. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. just those three guys can probably get you. I mean, that's probably over or exaggerating it, but they can probably get you at least 80 or 90 points a night just between the three of them. Interesting thing with the Suns, too. I mean, all the turnover they've had. I mean, they were just in the NBA Finals just a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. There's only one player on the Suns left 
from that. <laughs> it's Devin Booker. They got rid of every single other player. Fact nugget. Wow. Yeah. Number three, the team that was the big surprise in the West last year, Hobilly, the Kings. They finally, I mean, what was it, 17 years since their last playoff appearance? And the atmosphere in Sacramento was amazing for that series against the Warriors. They didn't beat the Warriors, but they took them to seven games and they almost beat the Warriors, but they didn't. Well, and I think they would have. Actually, I think they would have beaten the Warriors, but De'Aaron Fox got hurt. And that's Mm. a massive thing. (laughs) Yeah, but Mike Brown was coach of the year in his first year. I think the competition is probably going to be, the Kings are probably going to be on more teams radar in the West this year, but they're real. This got the same guys. They're reloaded, and they led the league in points per game last season. They scored nearly two more points than the Warriors, who were in second place. Like they were hot all the time offensively, and that's what yeah. made him exciting to watch. Yeah, but you know, as we talked about uh, before and mentioned, they had the best injury luck of anybody in the league. Yeah, they just. I mean, now, DeMontis Sabonis did have an injury that lingered through the entire year that did restrict him. But generally speaking, they always had their players out there. That kind of consistency really helps. But they don't play any kind of real defense. They've got major liabilities all over the place defensively. That hasn't really gotten any better. I think the West is going to be better than it was last year. The West was a little bit of a mess. There was a lot of transition in the West last year. I think they're more consolidated. They're better. I can almost guarantee you the Kings will not get the third seed again. But, you know, they'll still be good, though, because they do have a lot of offense. De'Aaron Fox is, you know, one of the best point guards in the league. Young, so much fun to watch. But I think their defensive struggles are going to give them some trouble. All right. And number two, the Grizzlies. For the second straight year, they finished the regular season number two in the West, but again, they failed to make a splash in the postseason. They lost in the first round to the Lakers, and John Moran's going to serve a 25-game suspension to start the season. After that, who knows? Dylan Brooks is gone, though. He's making trouble in Houston, and Marcus Smart is out of Boston, and he's in Memphis, along with former MVP Hillbilly Derrick Rose. You know, I... Starting the year without John Morant and the cloud that's hanging over him right now, you know, they used to do really, really well without John Morant. And that's because they had um, what was Tyus Jones. But, you know, one of the best backup point guards in the league. He's gone now, too. So they've got Marcus Smart in there. Hopefully he can help. But, you know, starting with that kind of massive cloud hanging over your head. I mean, John Morant got into a lot of trouble last year. Everybody knew it. And he said all the right things. And then he just got in trouble again. You know, he just did the same stupid crap. When you see that, it makes you wonder, like, is he going to get it or not? So I think they're obviously, they're not going to be second this year with that kind of a, you know, problem start without their best player. But when it comes down to it, they will still be a good team with the same playoff problems that they've routinely had, you know, where they don't have enough perimeter shooting typically. They rely way too much on their transition offense to score points, which always slows down in the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting start for them. Yeah, and then number one in the West, before we get to our playoff predictions, because I know everybody's waiting for the West and for our finals picks, one more team. Big fact incoming. And it was the NBA champion, the Denver Nuggets, who lost four games 
in the entire playoffs. One to the Timberwolves, two to the Suns, right. and they swept the Lakers and one to the Heat. For the first time in franchise history, the Nuggets won the NBA championship, and mostly everyone returns. They have the top title odds in the West, according to Las Vegas. But you've got two guys, Hillbilly, who were key contributors last year. Talk about depth. Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, who are gone. But they have uh, the Joker. And the Joker, he treats the NBA as a business. This is his job. He is not there for excitement. He is there for business. And you know what? It's working out for him. Let me tell you. He takes care of his business. Mm -hmm. So, no, I mean, that was the attitude after they won. He was like, boy, you know, we did our job. We can go home. I don't want to go to the parade. Yeah, just wanted to go watch horses. <laughs> That's um, yeah, I mean, they've got their five best players, you know, their starting five locked up. Christian Brown's still around, a good, you know, bench player, but they did lose their best bench player, Bruce Brown. I mean, Bruce Brown was on the court when they won the finals. Like he closed those games over Michael Porter Jr. It's a big loss with him, but Denver seems to be replacing very, very well here. Um, like I said, Christian Brown is back. He was a rookie last year that gave him some great minutes. Peyton Watson is a guy that they drafted last year that, you know, he was a little bit more of a project, but Calvin Booth is talking him up, saying that he's going to be a great replacement for Bruce Brown and a longer, quicker, better defender. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy that I think he was like number one or he was very, very high in his high school class and then just had some real problems in college. And every once in a while, those guys can hit the NBA and just explode. And, you know, he kind of has that look. He had a great summer league. Also, Hunter Tyson out of Clemson was a great draft pick. And then Julian Strathers, probably the second or third best player in the preseason game so far of anybody in the NBA. I mean, he just, you know, considering they're not playing their starters all that much. But, you know, he's had a great preseason. It looks like they're going to be able to replace some of these players cheap. Like they've got a really good strategy for the new CBA of they know that they have to pay their big players and they have to have a steady stream of good, cheap players. And the best way of doing that is by picking players in the draft who are ready to come into the NBA and contribute. And they seem to be doing that over and over and over again. So I would bet that they are going to be able to replace that loss in depth. Jamal Murray is not going to be rehabbing from an injury this year like he was in the regular season. So I think he's going to be closer to the playoff Murray that we see where he was just so good last year. And, you know, I said earlier that Damian Lillard and Giannis are going to have the best two-man game in the league. They're going to take that title from Jamal Murray and Jokic probably, but it's going to be really close. Those two are just incredible. And Jokic just continues. You know, we all... I think we all knew. I mean, the advanced stats last year were saying that Jokic was far and away the MVP, but nobody wanted to give it to him because he just doesn't play defense. Except that, you know, when you watch him, he does play smart defense. He just doesn't play athletically outstanding defense Um, and just kind of gets the job done. At the end of the day, I think the, the Nuggets are probably going to just take care of business in the regular season, still be the number one seed. Ooh, well, hold on, Hillbilly. We haven't gotten there yet. Oh my gosh. Okay. One hour there. Bro, chill. Those are our 15 teams <laughs> in the West. And now we got to make some predictions. Our one through eight in the West. Hillbilly went first with the East. So I'll go first with my Western Conference predictions. One through eight. Number eight, I think 
is going to be the Thunder. I think they make it to the playoffs. Number seven, I've got the Kings. They're not going to be number three, but I still think they'll make the playoffs. But they would be in the play in there. Number six. Number six, I have the Mavericks because the Mavericks were in the Western Conference Finals two years ago. And just Kyrie Irving, Luka Doncic. I mean, who knows what Kyrie Irving's up to right now, but, you know, (laughs) he could be up to something and tank the whole team. But he signed an extension or a new contract in Dallas. I just have to think that they are going to be better. Number five, the Clippers. Again, they could be number one. They could be out of the playoffs. You just don't know. Number four, I've got the Lakers. Uh, Three, the Warriors. Two, the Nuggets. And I think the Suns will actually finish on top of the West. Because you know what? Sometimes it's like the best, the best teams don't finish first in the Western Conference, hopefully. And the Suns aren't the best team of the Western Conference. But if you have the best regular season, you know? Yeah, except that, except that the Nuggets are a regular season machine. I mean, yeah, they cruised last year. They, they wrapped up the number one seed so early last year that it probably cost Jokic the MVP. You know, because he started sloughing off because they just didn't have anything to play for anymore. And I think that really helped give it to uh, Embiid. I've got at number eight, the Thunder. Oh. At number yeah. seven, the Timberwolves. At number six, I have the Pelicans. I Whoa. am just going to believe that Zion Williams is going to be healthy. Or he's going he's gonna to give them like 50, 55 games, hopefully. And if he does that, I think they will be that high up. And something to really be afraid of in the playoffs if he's healthy. And then at number five, I've got the Grizzlies. I do think they're going to take a step down, you know, without having John Morant for such a long period in the beginning. Then the Lakers at four, the Suns at three. I've got the Warriors over the Suns. I kind of question that one a little bit, but I just think that at the end of the day, the Warriors, they've got more depth. They can withstand more regular season bumps than the Suns can. And then the Nuggets, just because, as I said, they're such a well-oiled regular season machine. It doesn't look like Jokic has to exert that much effort to dominate. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the fact with the West is I could see the Pelicans and the Timberwolves in there too, and the Grizzlies. Like, I didn't even have the Grizzlies in there. It's just you have so many really good teams that, I mean, it could be any order. You do, and that's why why I'm picking the Mavericks not to make it. But, I mean, they're obviously a playoff, the Mavericks. It's just I I don't know which one of those teams I would bump. I guess it's going to be the Pelicans because Zion probably won't be healthy. And I hate saying that. And that sucks. But. Zion. All right. So final thing here, Hillbilly, we've got to make our predictions for who's going to win the championship. Who are the Bucks going to face in the NBA finals? It's so hard to predict, you know, what's going to happen with injuries. All these teams are so shallow these days um, just because the talent is so spread out, which is a good thing. But, you know, I think the best chance has to be the Nuggets. I think they're the least likely to have major injuries. Jokic just doesn't seem like the type that's going to get hurt a lot. And they just won the championship. I think they're going to do a lot of the same things that they did last year with Jamal Murray being better. So I think they're probably going to be going up against the Bucs. Okay. Oh, the Bucs. Well, lucky for you, I also picked the Bucs to win the Eastern Conference. How about that? So it is going to happen. But I, for the West, I picked the Lakers. And I picked the Lakers because the script writers are going to make it happen, Hillbilly. If you didn't know, 
A former player exposed the NBA for, it's a script. It's written down. Everything is scripted in the NBA. And the script writers are going to make LeBron James win his final NBA title this season with the Los Angeles Lakers. Are you sure? You know what? If it is all a script, that makes me even more excited to watch it. The fact that they are that good, that they can do those kinds of amazing things just on demand as part of a script, that's beyond everything. (laughs) Vibes. And you know what? The writers are back. They're not on strike anymore. So we're going to get no, some No, I stuff. guess not. I guess not. No. Although they probably would have hired scabs for that kind of work. Mm. But. All right. So Bucks are, well, how are the Bucks going to beat the Nuggets, Billy? Well, I don't know that they are. <gasps> you know, that's, that's when so close. I mean, I think they probably will be, if they're healthy, because I think Brooke Lopez and Giannis, they may actually be able to give Jokic trouble. I mean, those two are so good defensively. Um, you know, definitely the best two interior defender teammates in the league. If anything can slow down Jokic, I would think it would be that. And I don't think that the Nuggets or anybody else has something that can really slow down that Lillard Giannis team if it turns out to be what we thought it was or what we think it'll be. So with that, I think I'd probably pick the Bucks. Dang. Oh, oh, wow. What a surprise. Well, the Bucks also didn't go very far in the playoffs last year. Giannis has had a lot of time to sit around and stew. Damian Lillard obviously didn't play in the playoffs last year. The Nuggets (laughs) went all the way to the finals. You know, I mean, it's going to be tough. I mean, Jokic is just that kind of player that, you know, you just, we talked about how in order to win a championship, you have to have that kind of offensive go-to thing that even in a real rock fight will always work for you. And Jokic is like the living embodiment of that. I mean, the last, the, the final game of the finals against the Heat, I don't know if you remember it, but I mean, it was a total rock fight. Nobody was making anything. You know, Jimmy Butler was 5 of 18. Yeah. Gabe Vincent was 3 of 13. Struess was 5 of 12. Um, Jamal Murray was 6 out of 15. Um, Michael Porter Jr., 7 out. Nobody had a good game. Except for Jokic, who was 12 for 16. Cool facts, bro. You know, he shot like 80%, you know? Or I guess 75%. You know? Which is Clutch. just... Like, everybody else can't play, but he still gets it done. But I think that Lillard and Giannis are also in that category, too. I would put it on them. Okay. I think we're both wrong, actually, because two years ago, the Heat were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Last year, they're in the NBA Finals. They have to win the championship this year, Hillbilly. I mean, the Miami Heat are going to win the NBA Finals. Come on. Yeah. Uh, I mean, imagine how tired Jimmy Butler must have been at the end there. I mean, you could see it. You could see it in the shooting stats that I was just talking about. He was completely spent. The amount of effort that that man put in to that playoff performance last year is really something. And he'd have to do it again, too. All right, Hillbilly. Yeah. With that, I mean, that's our NBA season preview. It's, I'm excited about watching basketball again, not just because we haven't had it for, or competitive basketball at least since June, but I feel like it's, a, it's another year where you've got a ton of teams, not just at the top, that you go on there and you click on League Pass and you're like, oh, this team is going to be fun to watch. It's just really talented league. 
Yeah, it definitely is. I think that the NBA is entering into a period where they just have more talent. And I think it's coming from a different couple of different uh, directions. I mean, one, you have all of these older players that are still playing at all pro levels where you just didn't really see it that much before. I mean, LeBron is 38. Is he going to be 39 during the regular season? Oh, I would assume. Um, But, you know, he's obviously still playing at an extremely high level. So Steph Curry, so is Damian Lillard, so is Kevin Durant. All those old heads are still playing crazy good basketball. And when you couple that with the players that are actually just in their prime, like the Giannis's, the Jokic's, the Donchus's, you know, those, all those players. And then you have these players that are coming into the league more ready to play immediately and make a big impact. It comes together and you just have more talent than we've ever had. And it's just what makes, you know, most teams, except for, I guess, the Wizards, um, have at least one player that's really exciting to watch. (laughs) Man. All right. Yeah, LeBron is turning 39 December 30th. So he'll be 39 for most of the season. That's tough. But he still, he had a great year last year. He did. And you know what? This is coming at a great time for the NBA, too, because they're about to start up their negotiations with ESPN, TNT, a couple others, all them for the TV rights, and they're going to get a ton of more money. They are. All right, Hillbilly. For the third year, fourth NBA season we're covering, our Xander's Facts senior NBA analyst, Hillbilly, previewing the NBA season. Hillbilly. Once again, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Xander's Facts. And there you have it, y'all. Those are all the facts that Hillbilly and I had to express on episode 121 of the podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's flashback. Remember that if you liked all the facts on this week's Xander's Facts flashback, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, rate and review the podcast, check us out on all the socials, threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts. That's Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends. We like to call it Spread the Facts around here. Tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, and tell all your friends to go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, go do so because you can watch all of our, a ton of our episodes, our past episodes with the nice little background. Go do that. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and also check out the Zaders Facts link tree. It is linked in this episode's description. It has all the Zaders Facts links that you need. So y'all, that is it for this week's Zaders Facts flashback. Episode 134, a brand new podcast is coming back next week for some new facts. Make sure to check us out on Wednesday, February 28th, which is not the last day of February this year, y'all, because it is a leap year. How about that? So check us out, episode 134, brand new facts coming up next week. So that is it, y'all. That is a wrap on this week's Xander's Facts Flashback. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all with episode 134 next week. I love Big Leaf Maples. I do too. Oh, this feels so good.